Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Today, I'm so excited today to have Senior VP of Strategy for NEC Netcracker, Ari Banerjee. Ari, welcome to today's episode. And I would love our listeners to listen to some of your background. I know you have a very impressive background. So could you just talk about your background and, and thank you, you th- Thank you, Pascal. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me today. Great to be here. And um, just as a quick background, I lead um, the global strategy for Netcracker. And I wear different hats. So one is obviously around anything that is go-to-market, outbound. That's something that, that I lead. Um, pretty much all our initiatives are on product marketing. And uh, obviously I do work a lot with industry and standard bodies and our key customers to make sure that we are providing them the best value um, as we can and so that we can all succeed. Well, it seems like you have a lot to do. <laughs> uh, it seems like a big role. Anyways, what, you know, I think maybe our listeners want to know what NEC Netcracker does. So could you help them with that? Sure, absolutely. Um, so Netcracker is a wholly owned subsidiary of NEC. And uh, Netcracker has been in the business for over 30 years. And we started off in the automation OSS space. That's where we started. Okay. Um, and um, so which meant that we were helping operators with their overall order to cash or order to fulfill processes. So order entry, uh, activation, inventory, outside plant, design and assign, insurance, that whole gamut. Um, we also, um, we, via an acquisition that we made in 2012 with uh, buying Converges's uh, information management or IM assets, become a full stack VSS and OSS player. Wow. And today, uh, we have about uh, 250 plus global customers. So there's not a single operator across the globe, um, which are household names that were not our customers. Either we are helping them across the overall order to cash, or we are helping them on the automation OSS side or the BSS side, and in many cases, full stack, so helping them across on both sides. We obviously also have a, a big presence in the cable industry as well. Uh, most of the cable companies, both in Europe and in North America, are very long-term Netcracker customers. Wow, that's impressive. So I wanted to ask you, what are your, what do you think are the current challenges with automation? So as I said, having been in this um, space for over 30 years, we have seen different cycles that have gone into OSS automation and all of that. Initially, it used to be around network technology, ATM frame relay to MPLS to IP, that transition, which was around um, closed proprietary systems, homegrown systems, and then this technology evolution, whether it's going to be able to meet the needs of the enterprise customers and the consumers. In the last few years, a lot of movement around virtualization. If you remember Pascal well, right, we were all there, so 2014, 2015, yeah. SDN, NFV, virtualization, moved towards cloud. It was the ultimate goal, but it started from there. Um, there was a lot of transition around that. There was a lot of moving parts of a lot of massive projects that we undertook with some of our group level customers, be Deutsche Telekom or Vodafone with their uh, the cloud program, Ocean program, Singtel, Optus, 
uh, you name it, across the globe. And, uh, and now I think the transition is more towards let's try to do it based on business goals and initiatives, which is let's not boil the ocean and try to do a huge OSS transformation project. Trust me, we love those projects, right? We still have many of those continuing. But that's something we have seen in the last few years. Business transformation, looking at business intent and looking at certain programs. So do not boil the ocean. Do not go end-to-end Bing Bang OSS, but let's try to automate, let's say, the transport automation. Let's try to do edge services, SD-WAN, SASE, other edge cloud-centric services. Let's do the core, you know, different types of things so that uh, it goes with business intent. Uh, it is not a big thing that, you know, that you are really engulfed in like two, three years, right? Um, ROI is easier to show to the board, to the CFO. You can do better MVPs around those kind of projects. So we're seeing a lot of that, that kind of a transition into let's focus on certain aspects of things that we want to automate. Once we get that, then we move into the next step. And then we move into the next step. Deutsche Telekom is a fantastic example of that. And in fact, we had some press releases, so it's public. They started with transport automation. Multiple vendors, some SDNized, some non-SDNized, um, and they used to do, the, what it wanted to do was a multi-country VPN service. Um, traffic optimization, multi-layer path compute, stitching it all together to be able to do MP, this VPN services um, in days, in, in hours, not in days or weeks. That was the goal, that was the intent. So they started and focused on that part, and then they moved on to Edge. And when they moved into Edge, they looked at um, SD-WAN, they looked at SD-LAN, they looked at um, other networks and all of that kind of stuff, you know, and then added applications on top of it. But there were two different, distinctly different projects, different RFP timeframes, um, different stakeholders. So um, we see a lot of that happening. As part of the 5G refresh cycle that has happened, as you know, it starts with the network first. And then people think about, oh, we got to make money, so BSS. Can we make it? Can we change the BSS around it? Um, a lot of projects around that. Uh, a lot of projects on the automation side, which is, can I provide not just my own services on 5G, but partner-centric services, especially when it comes to edge, edge-centric services, working with multi-vertical. There's a new trend around metaverse. Seems like a cliche, seems like a buzzword, but a lot of initiatives are being taken by some of our largest customers. And it is mainly using that concept in the enterprise context, because that's where they know they're going to make money. So digital twin, metaverse on top of edge cloud and edge centric services, something they think they can, they can make some money out of it. So there are a lot of initiatives where automation is an important aspect, very much so. Partner management, contract management, settlements, multi-party order to cash provisioning cycle, all of those becoming very important. Wow, that seems like a huge, huge amount of feet and amount of work uh, and your systems have to do. So basically you're covering all the service orchestration capabilities and all the business system capabilities. Yes. And you cover the whole gamut, uh, which is kind of rare. You don't, you rarely find that because not any one vendor or company can do all of those things. But I guess your history and your heritage for what, a decades plus? It's been a, it's been a long time. As they said, we started from the OSS side, obviously. All facets, we have seen network adapters going back to 30 years, right? Okay. We're so, maintaining that, um, as well as the new ones, right? <clears throat> Plus, obviously, with acquisition of the BSS assets, 
Uh, obviously, it has by the time when we bought the assets till today, there has been a lot of improvement, a lot of transition that has happened in that, but gives us an edge because we can bring in full stack capability. And there are many customers and some really large tier one customers who buy full stack, the entire BSS and OSS um, from NetTracker. Yeah, I know I talked to many providers and they're now remodernizing their business systems. And then a lot of them don't even have service orchestrators. Um, and so obviously, you know, you supply all of that. So um, congratulations. Seems like a daunting task, but given your history. It is, it is challenging and it keeps us on our toes. We yeah. learn. We learn every day. <laughs> so how do you see automation evolving in the next few years? Um, and do they get simpler, do they get more complicated, and why? And I think we will both agree it's going to get more and more complicated, especially um, with low, you know, ultra-low latency services, edge cloud, and especially when we're customers or operators are talking about bringing and working with other partners, multi-vertical. There's a lot of initiative happening around the smart fintech industry, smart automotive um, industry 4.0 with the factory automation and other things where operators are dabbling with them. They are in fact investing in those markets to get an entry into that place. We are also lucky in a way because NEC is our parent company. And NEC is not just about telco. And this is a major player in, in, in financial industries, in fintech. Some of the acquisitions, if you see in the past, um, they bought a Swiss uh, uh, banking company for 3.5 billion two years back, who is a market leader in that space, for example. Cool. Uh, they're very much in the automotive industry, having working with NTT, with Docomo, with the big car manufacturers in the Japanese market. Um, they're very much a huge player in the biometrics smart stadium, smart city. So we're lucky to have them as our parent company where they bring us in, in some of these very challenging projects where we, if we were an independent company, we would ideally not be there. The other big part, which is complicated, is the open RAN or the VRAN initiative. Yeah. And you see the major player there. So the underlying management systems, the RIC, the, the service management service orchestration, that's all NEC, NetCracker product. And the upper layers of CU, DU, and the antennas and other stuff, that comes from NEC. And it's a package thing that goes into Docker mode, goes into Telefonica, it goes into many of the other um, big operators across the world. So um, we are privileged to have NEC, uh, a $30 billion company, 125 years old company, who dabbles in so many different industries, where provisioning, fulfillment, billing, is across horizontal spectrum. And we, we, you know, we play a major role when they bring us to those deals. Yeah, that's actually impressive. So they go out and whenever they need automation, they come to you. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. actually great. That's a good and, channel. And, and we work very well between these two companies where we know where we are complementary. Um, there are certain markets where NetCracker is a dominant player. Uh, let's say Europe and certain areas where we will bring any serious needed. And in Japanese, in the Middle East, there are many markets where NEC is a very, very dominant player. And when they need us, you know, they will bring us in. Mm. So how do you think standards help in the automation industry? You know, standards has got a massively important role to play in the industry. Now, there are two schools of thought, and I've seen this for many years now. One is, if we standardize everything, then how is it that we lose our secret sauce because everything is standardized? I look at it very differently. I think there are certain parts of 
the automation that needs to be standardized. You don't really want to waste time on those. If it's automated, it is multi-vendor, if your APIs are open, those are the plumbing that should be automated. Your secret sauce, your value-added applications that runs on top of it, that could be tweaked, that could be customized, because that's where you're adding your, your you know, the, the, the sauce that will make it much more attractive to your enterprise and differentiate yourself from somebody else. So standards have a massive role to play. This is where I think MEF plays a very critical role. There are other standard bodies as well who are playing very important roles in that because to bring it together, let's not waste time on this plumbing stuff. That's because so the true. CFO, the board, they don't understand that bit. That's true. What they're looking at, when did you launch the service? How can I market the service? How much money are you making? Keep the CFO and the board happy. The project continues because they're seeing, they understand they're not, it's not a black hole. They're spending money on something, they're getting the ROI, they can sell those and they can fund other projects. Simple minds, financial people looking at ROI. It is not about I am going to do this, uniquely create a new API to do something that is not necessary. Why not spend money on the upper layers where you can differentiate, you can make money, everybody makes money. That is so spot on. It's exactly how I've been seeing it is there's a baseline that everybody should use because why would you want to reinvent it? That's right. And then invent your stuff on top of that. The business logic, you're right, those APIs matter. Um, there's so many, how you interconnect all these systems together is hugely daunting and it matters. And as you said, you know, only the, the tech noise and the really geeky guys want to be, reinvent something to make it more better. But at the end of the day, business people don't care. They just want the outcome to be, you know, business oriented. And so you're spot on. Well, I'd like to thank you, Ari, for joining us. It's been a really enlightening session. And as always, interacting with you has been always, has always and continues to be always great and um, very insightful. So thank you for your time today. And I'm sure our listeners will love this episode. Thank you so much, Pascal. Thank you for inviting me and having me here.